Every Christian can develop and thoroughly enjoy the art of private worship by taking heed and following and cultivating the patterns of these wise men. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Well, our speaker today is a good friend, Chuck Beckler, and we are delighted to have him with us here today. And I have to tell you, when I think of Chuck, Chuck is a character. You say? He's you, a character. And you don't think he's a character? I mean, yeah. is he a character? Oh, yeah. There's some nods out there. I'm more of a private character. You're more of a, you're more of a public character. I don't know. Character. I've seen you. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm waiting for those drums to be filled with your character. I don't know about that. It's been a long time. So... Uh, but anyway, but we are delighted to have him with us. He is a good friend. Uh, he knows the Lord Jesus Christ very well, and he has been a great encouragement and an inspiration and example to me and many, many others over the years. So thankful for his love, his support, his encouragement, his friendship, he and his wife, Linda. Uh, thank you so much. So we are delighted to have you with us here today. Don't mess it up. Curry. Right? Curry. I, I was going to say, I was going to say Cur- curry. Curry. Curry, but nobody will know what that's talking about. <laughs> that's all right. About. So that's all right. That's so all right. curry. I love this guy. All right. I know you guys love this guy. Don't you love him? Yeah. I love him more. Yeah. Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Folks, get liturgical, will you? Let's try it again. We'll practice, all right? Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's more like it. I just preached at Maranatha a couple of weeks ago, and you know, those Assembly of God people, they have fun. These Bible church people, you know, a little stuffy, but, but loving, but loving, you know, it's all good. Frank Franz, you got one of the best smiles I've ever seen in my life, man. I love that smile. Ralph Babino, just good to be with friends. Did you guys have a great Christmas? Did you get what you wanted? <laughs> the way to spread Christmas cheer is for all the year. There you go. So let's sing Joy to the World. No. So did you have a good New Year? Did you drink that non-alcoholic stuff? No. <laughs> Some of you are going, oh, we hit the bottle. We just don't tell Pastor Dan. That's all. Well, hope you had a great New Year and God's got this year and that's good. It is great to be together. It's a privilege to be here, and I love you guys and love the privilege, love your pastor, and pray for him often and, well, daily, and pray for you guys daily that God would bless your ministry, grow it, continue to grow it, that lives would be transformed for the glory of God, go to people's souls, and uh, it's good. So if you got your Bibles, it's a Bible church, and you've got the ESV, I know Pastor Dan promotes that, if you would open that to uh, Matthew chapter... Two, and we're going to talk epiphany early, a little epiphany early, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. I want to read you one of my favorite stories that's connected with the Christmas story. I love the Christmas story. You love the Christmas story? We call it the Advent, right? We call it the Incarnation. We call it uh, Christmas. So let me read this to you, and then I want to make some comments on it, and connect that with the art of private worship, which is the obedient giving of adoration to God in an isolated location. There's public, we've done this, and then there's private. And I believe private worship 
is the most important part, I was telling Ralph Babineau this morning, or the most important part of your sanctification process. I do believe that. So we're just going to talk about it. But I want to read the story and then get some connection here together. So, But again, it's good to see you. Matt Hoffman, good to see you. I always feel like, remember that TV program where we were kids, a lot of you guys, Romper, Stomper, Bomper? Do you remember that? Romper Room? And you look through the glass, that's how I feel when I come to Wonder Lake. There's Linda, and there's Ralph, and uh, it's just good. So here we go. This is the word of the Lord. Our home church is Crystal Lake, Free Church. If we were there, you'd be standing. They stand for the word of, word of the Lord being read, but, well, no, it's fine. I mean, uh, it's just in your hearts. You give your attention to the word of the Lord, that's fine. And it says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, magi, from the east, they came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to Proskuneo, worship him. Give him our adoration. Give him our homage, because he deserves that. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophets, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel." But then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he said to them, he said, he he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring word to me that I too may come and proskuneo worship him. He's a liar. He's a killer. He's a madman. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now that word joy there in the Greek language means they went crazy with joy. A couple weeks ago, two, a couple weeks ago, we were in Columbus, Ohio for a little Christmas pageant with our grandson who's going to be four. And uh, we gave some presents, and so when he opened his talking Mr. Potato Head, a talking Mr. Potato Head, which each one of you should get, they're very fun to watch those lips go back and forth on their faces. I mean, the kid went crazy. I mean, he rejoiced like we should be rejoicing over the living Christ, but we don't do that. I mean, he jumped, and he danced, and he sang, and he was lifting up Mr. Potato and going, oh! And those little lips were flying out of that face. So you're going, did the wise men jump, and were they full of exhilaration? And, well, John MacArthur says the superlatives and the original text go on and on and on and on and on. They were full of joy. So maybe we should think about that. And going into the house, they saw the child, and they worshipped him. They fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, 
They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Somebody also said that these guys were directed sovereignly by the grace of God, the favor of God in their lives. It's a powerful story. When I was a kid, my dad was going to Moody Bible Institute. He graduated from there, and I loved going down to the Christmas pageants because I'm convinced in my frail, feeble mind that in Torrey Gray Auditorium, I think that's where it was, they actually had camels that came down with the wise men on them. I'm sure that was my little mind just all messed up. There were the shepherds. With the, I really believe that. When I look back, I'm going, I know they had live, they had real animals. I just believe that. And the shepherds filed in. I mean, uh, they, biblically, they had some of it wrong, even though it was Moody Bible Institute. But the shepherds filed in, and the sheep, and the smells. And I'm convinced, they, I don't know where they got it from. Maybe it was mechanical, but at least one camel, or something that looked like a camel, and these wise guys sat out there, and they had the crowns and the robes. And I said, I don't want to be a shepherd with the stinky animals. I want to be one of them. But every time there was a Sunday school play, I was with the stinky animals. I never got to be a wise man. I wanted to be a wise man. And my wife to this day still says, I want you to be a wise man, my husband. (laughs) But I wanted to be one of them on camels, traveling far, songs written about them. There's songs about the shepherds too, but to be a magi. An astronomer, an astrologer from the east, traveling far. I want to be one of them with a crown. I'm Chucky. I deserve that. Well, maybe not. J.C. Ryle, one of my favorite old dead guys, you know I love the dead guys, says this about the wise men, and this is pretty much all I'm going to say about them because there is so much conjecture and so much opinion and so much commentating about them that it leaves us basically with what he says here, which is pretty accurate. Ryle says this, It's not known who these wise men were. We're only told that they came from the east, whether they were Chaldeans or Arabians or... Or the Medes or Parthians or Babylonians, we cannot say. Whether they learned to expect Christ from the ten tribes or who went into captivity or from the prophecies of Daniel, we don't know. I mean, I read, some, I read a lot of commentaries when I'm studying, and some of these guys are like, thus saith the Lord, and then another guy says, we don't know. And then somebody says, thus saith the Lord, and somebody says, we don't know. Well, we know what the Scripture says. They came from the east, and we know that came from an area where the Jews had been in captivity. We know that, and we don't know much. But we do know something, and we'll, we'll look at that. It matters little who they were, Ryle says. The point which concerns us most is the rich instruction which their history conveys to us. John MacArthur says about these guys, and he goes on and on forever in his commentary, then he comes back around, and he says this, in the mystery of God's wonderful grace, he led them to his son and allowed them to see him face to face, and they worshipped him. We know that. 
They came and they proskneo, or some people who think they're the Greek scholars would say proskneo. Some, yeah, I was looking at all of that. Proskneo, 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 and then some say proskunio. So it's, you just kind of go, my goodness. But we know this, they fell down, fell down, they were expressive, they fell down, and they worshipped him. So, I think this, so we can learn from them, this proskuneo, proskuneo, proskunio, all the different pronunciations. Some, some say we can learn so much from them in the area of worship. We get really wrapped up in the star, which is a mystery. Some say it was a supernova, Jupiter, Saturn, all of that together came together. We got all excited about that last year here in this area and throughout our country. And then some say it was just a simple supernatural Shekinah glory of God that came and went and came and went and Herod and nobody else ever saw it but these guys. It was for them. The grace of God for them that drew them to the Son of God, and they were worshipers. It's great lessons for us. Be interesting, you know. I speak at a lot of different places, and I have never been on a Sunday morning anywhere, or even even in camps, conferences, where I've seen people file in and they just fall down and they worship the Christ Child. They worship the risen Savior. They throw themselves before the throne of grace, lift their hands, and give adoration to the holy mystery of heaven. We're very religious. And you're saying, are we supposed to do that? Well, I'll leave that to your hearts. But it's something to think about. I mean, these guys did it. And so that's why Ryle says, there are some lessons to learn from them. And I'm trying to learn from them. I love this story. I love, I love the story of the Incarnation and Advent. I'm trying to learn from them and study the Scriptures and learn from them. And I want to learn, and I want to be better in my public worship, and I want to be better in my private worship for the glory of God and the good of my soul. And that's what I'd like for you all. That's why I wrote that little book. I, it's been a burden on my heart for years. I'm a private worshiper. I've learned that through the Word of God and through those who have gone on before me, the great saints, the old dead guys. I've watched them. I've studied their lives. They weren't caught up in ritualistic devotion and quiet time and let's get through it. They were captured by the presence of the Holy One of Heaven and they privately worshipped Him and gave homage. And I'm still convinced there is nothing more important in your life as a believer than developing in the process of sanctification the art of private worship. I believe that it is greatly, greatly profitable for your souls. You talk about a resolution this year? Go after that. Yeah, I know it's good, for, you know, physical exercise, all of that. It's all good. We want to get a Peloton and another Peloton and another Peloton and another trainer. Well, we've got a trainer through the Word of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's do some worship and spiritual disciplines and the art of that and grow Christ-like and have an impact on our world. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I know that's what your pastor wants. I want that. But we need, to, we need to want it for our own personal lives. 
And we learn from these guys. So, you know how they give you big ideas? Your pastor Dan probably gives you a big idea up on the screen some Sundays. Here's, here's what I'm convinced of. Every Christian, every Christian can develop and thoroughly enjoy the art of private worship by taking heed and following and cultivating the patterns of these wise men. Astrologers, sorcerers, astronomers, who were they? We know this from Scripture. They were worshipers. And they didn't care who knew. So I've got three little patterns for you. Quickly, you ready? Good, you ready? For that, okay, here we go. Pattern number one. It's a good word. A lot of us never use this word anymore, but here it is. Pattern number one is to ponder, ponder the mysteries of the heavens. That word ponder is a ponderous word. It should make you ponder. Some of you may go, what the heck does that word ponder mean anyway? Well, here's a definition. I kind of put it together from a lot of sources. It is to weigh in the mind, your mind, carefully. Now listen to the words here. Weigh in your mind carefully and quietly and soberly and deeply the mysteries of the heavens. Weigh carefully, soberly. Deeply, attentively. We have a hard time doing that. We can. I mean, come on. I'm told you can't speak to kids for more than eight to ten minutes. They, they have no attention span. We've got to be more creative and more innovative, and we need more technology. We have a hard time sitting and pondering and weighing in the mind. I, I mean, our minds are all over the place. Now to have them captivated by the mysteries of the heavens? That takes discipline. That is hard work. That can be frustrating work, but it's profitable work. It's incredible. How do I know it's hard? Come on, you guys know me a little bit. I'm up here speaking, and my mind's over here. I'm on the text, and then my mind's over here. And then my mind's over there, and I'm going, I got family coming this afternoon to celebrate and party, and my mind's there, and yet I'm here. What's wrong with our minds? And now, to have the pattern of the watchman, how do I know that they were ponderers of the mysteries? They were astrologers. They're, they're named magi. Here they were. They were students of the stars. And perhaps students of pondering the Old Testament scriptures or that which they had from the Israelites in captivity. Possibly, but they were ponderers. They stayed in contemplation of the mysteries. And that will impact your life. I have a hard time doing that. And so do you, if you're honest. We scroll our phones. We want to scroll them faster and faster and faster. We want high tech. 
We almost have a heart attack or a stroke when our phone delays three seconds or two seconds. Why doesn't it give it to me right now? We are right now people. I got to have it now, people. These guys ponder. Ponderers. Can you just kind of say it under your breath? I need to learn to ponder. I need to learn to ponder. And you need to learn to ponder the mysteries. The Mysterium Tremendum, as Rudolf Otto says, the great philosopher of the heavens. Stargazers. Pastor Dan and I love stars. In fact, uh, if you buy that book, which will keep lending me and some food for the next week, just kidding. <laughs> We're not making, we don't want to make money on this, but... You know, I think I've told you three, four, five years ago, he and I went to the Lake Geneva Conservatory, the observatory, and we gazed at the stars. I tell a story about that in the book. I mean, we just, we were like, oh, oh. Have you ever seen the northern lights? We've seen them like three or four times in this area. Have you ever seen like 10 shooting stars at one time? Have you ever just stared... Uh, have you ever gone outside at night and just stared up into the deep of the heavens and got frightened? Because it's too big. That's what these guys did. And they had some writings, maybe ancient writings. And a star rose. And they knew enough to say, a child is born. He's the king of the Jews. We're going to go worship him. Their pondering drove them to action Psalm 19, come on, say it with me. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Get overwhelmed and ponder in private. Sit and ponder in private. Sunday mornings, my dad would go into the bathroom we had one bathroom. We couldn't get in there. I, I thought, what's he doing? He'd say, I'm pondering. I'm like, what? It didn't seem like pondering to me when he came out. I'm pondering. Pondering what? We need to, to be a private worshiper. We learn from these guys. We got to get pondering. You take the word of God, and you find that place alone, and you ponder. The mystery. It's all here. There's, there's no more mysterious book than this. This book will freak you out, scare you out, make you feel full of love and overwhelm you. And within creation and the heavens, have you ever just stared at an oak tree and pondered the mysteries of an oak tree? It has a drift. Have you ever thought about all those little branches that are screaming up to the heavens? All creation groans and waits for redemption to give adoration and homage. In their renewed state, like Pastor Dan spoke about this morning. Pattern number two. Here we go, quickly. Pattern two. Uh, like them, we need to pursue. Pursue the mysteries of the heavens. Pursue them. Go after them. Got to have it. The word pursue means to follow, to try and catch or capture something or someone. And usually, that word involves a long distance. The wise men, how many miles? Maybe four or 500, maybe, just to worship. Do you have to go that far this morning? No. Do we have to go that far in private worship? No. 
but they pursued the mysteries of the heavens, you know? It's like, okay, we're going to follow the heavens and try to catch the mystery of the heavens and capture the heavens. And they were like, this child is born. We want to get in his presence and worship him. And it took a long time. And it took a lot of time. Pondering takes time. Pursuing something of value like the Son of God takes time to worship Him. Time and time and time and time. Hold on to that word. When I was a kid, I believed in Santa Claus. I know him. Did you watch the movie Elf? Anybody? I know him. (laughs) Ooh, Santa's coming. I know him. Oh, Santa. I lived in Chicago on, on Drake Avenue, Logan Square, and there was a little department store called Klaus's Department Store. I thought it was Santa's. My mom would go to work every day in the bus. I'd walk her up. She got on the bus. I'd cry. But then I ran across Milwaukee Avenue as a little boy. Milwaukee Avenue, Chicago. They try to kill you there. But I ran across for one reason. Santa was in the basement by the barber shop starting December 1st. I pursued him. I think I pursued him so much, he finally said one day, Hey, kid, could you stop this? I knew he had candy canes. I knew he had bad breath. (laughs) I knew he had a funny beard. I knew I could sit on his lap and he'd give me that candy cane and he would listen to me. I pursued him. I wanted him. I risked my life across Milwaukee Avenue every day, every day, every day. I pursued risking my life. I got nothing from him. And you're going, well, you got some fun. You got candy canes to rot your teeth, Right? The three food groups, sugar, sugar, and sugar. (laughs) You pursue Christ, what do you get? You sit and worship him, what do you get? What do you get when you pursue the mysteries of the heavens? You get overwhelmed. Listen to this, what he says. Ryle says this too. What trouble it must have been, what trouble it must have cost them and have been, listen to that word, listen to some of the words, listen to the words cost them to travel from their homes to the house where Jesus was. I mean, we don't know for sure. A lot of guys, most of them say four to 500 miles. It wasn't a real comfortable place. How many weary miles they must have journeyed. The fatigues of an eastern traveler are far greater, Ryle says, than we in England can at all understand. The time that such a journey would occupy must necessarily have been very great. The dangers to be encountered were neither few nor small, but none of these things moved them. They pursued the Christ child to worship him. Everything stops us. Everything I wrote that little book. It's been on my heart for years. My sister-in-law who's here, she put up with me for days and days and hours and hours. She typed it all and, and corrected me and helped me, and I wanted it done so bad because I believe in private worship. And then for the last month, I have struggled to do just that because I had a wrap presence, and I had a hanging ornament. I had to set up my little train. I had a, I had a, had a, had a, 
And here's the Christ child says, what, what about me? That star is just not perfect, you know? Got to fix that on top of the tree. He says this. None of these things stopped them. They had set their hearts on seeing him, on worshiping him that was born king of the Jews, and they never rested till they saw him. It would be well for all of us, Ryle says, as professing Christians, to follow the wise men's example and worship him. I love Psalm 27. And and I, I think I included it in that little book. I think so, Leanne, didn't we? Psalm 27 says this. One of my favorite little verses by David says this. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after. One thing, David says, one thing, one, just one, that I may seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, Psalm 27, 4, to, look at, gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I want to worship him. One thing, that's all I want. I just want to worship my God in public and in private. David says, I wake up at night and I worship him. I I fill my my bed with sweat and tears and I worship him. He laid on the hills of Bethlehem and he worshiped him as a little shepherd boy. I told Dan how I would love to go to Israel with him and, and he and I could camp out on the little hillsides, you know, around Bethlehem and just lay there under the stars and go, oh man, come on angels, show up and sing the hallelujah chorus and do your angelic warrior happy dance. But we don't need that. We just need Christ. And Christ, and Christ alone, although, Dan, it would be fun. We could try to raise money to do that, couldn't we? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Number three. It says this, that when they got there, they, uh, they fell down. It's kind of a funny thing, like I said earlier. We, we have a hard time being expressive in our worship, and I know everybody's different. I'm not saying you got to do this, you got to do that, but if you look through Scripture, they lifted their hands, they fell down, they sang praises, they laid in quiet, they prostrated themselves on the floor. I mean, uh, don't you think we've become a little religious? What do you think? I mean, I'm not going to tell you, but here's the cool thing about private worship. You can ponder in private, you can pursue him in private, and you can present treasures to the mystery of the heavens, to the, to the Christ. You can present treasures. You know, you can lay in the floor in private. You can lay in the woods in private. You can do a happy dance in private. You can lift your hand. You can scream. When you're in private with God, Father, Son, and Spirit, he loves you. He doesn't give a rip. We sit in chairs. I go to places where there's pews, and we're like, well, if I lift my hands, if I fell on the floor, if I knelt... What are they going to think of me? I I thank God. I thank my father. He doesn't care. He loves me. He says, Chuck, fall on the floor. Climb on my lap. Climb a tree. Don't fall out. out. I love going out to McCollum Lake when it's frozen. I love walking out on the lake. Linda goes, just don't do that, please. I love walking out of there. When it's really a cold, crisp night and the stars are out there. I love walking out there just going, oh man, and no one cares. Somebody may call the cops and say, there's a drunken fool on the lake going crazy out there. But I don't care if the cops come to get me. I'll say, hey, join in. Let's worship the God who created us. See, in private, 
You can develop your own art, and, and you, can, you can fall down, and you can present those treasures. Listen to this. Their giving, those treasures, was not so much an addition to their worship as an element of it. The gifts were an expression of worship given out of, given out of the overflow of adoration and grateful hearts. Adoring and grateful hearts. They gave gifts. It was gold. The most precious of all metals, a symbol of royalty and nobility. Listen to the word. Costly. Very costly. They gave frankincense, a beautiful smelling incense used in Royal processions, costly, very costly. See the two words that are starting to scream out? Time and cost. Worship takes time, and it's costly. David said, I won't buy, I won't take that land. I'll pay for that because my worship has got to cost something. Well, I give my offering. That's not the deal. It's time, cost, heart, time, cost, heart, time, head, cost, heart, time, head, cost. You will never be sorry. Myrrh, a perfume given to represent a mortal, a human, suggesting the humanity of Christ. Not as costly, but costly. Somebody said time is money, right? Workaholics, all kinds of aholics, really. Private worship is intimate, it's an art, it takes time, it's costly, and there is nothing more valuable ever. I believe in the sanctification process in your life, ever, ever. It will bring enjoyment. You can develop it by, I think, working on these, ponder, pursue. That's why I thought this story would be great to connect with. Ponder, pursue. What's the greatest treasure, the present you could give? It's your time. It's time. You know, some of the old dead guys would go out and they get lost in the woods. They, they would stay gone and worship in private forever. People say, well, I can't do that. I have responsibilities. If you ponder enough, you can figure out ways to get lost once in a while. And the once in a while will benefit you for a long while. Busy. Busy. Sometimes I worry about your pastor. Chaplain, shepherd of the flock, he's a busy man. I care for his heart and his body. Sometimes I say, Dan, I just want you to just go disappear, get along with God. And I know he does. But I want that for you, I want it for me, for my wife, for my sister-in-law, for all of us. It is the most valuable issue of the sanctification Speaking at a camp on this years ago, and I got through, and then it was two or three years later, four years later, five years later, I don't know, 10 years later, Lynn and I were down in Miami, Florida, and, or somewhere in Florida, and I was speaking at a conference about a 1,000 kids, and the worship leader, come on up, Jerry, worship leader, come on up, Jerry, the worship leader was, um, he was up uh, leading worship, and afterwards he came down, he said, Chuck, I said, oh, hi, you did a great job, I was speaking, he goes, uh, I'm Toby. I said, uh, Toby Mac, DC Talk? He goes, no. Toby, Spring Hill Camp. I said, oh, Toby, Toby. He was single at that time, a worship leader there. He was now married, family. 
couple sons, he said, I got to tell you something before we get too busy. You taught on private worship. This is probably, I mean, this is a long time ago. He said, that was the most important talk I've ever heard in my life. I developed private worship in my life, and now I've trained my sons to do it. I've taken them out in the woods to help them learn how to find their private place and ponder and pursue Christ and present the treasure of time, heart to them, to Christ. He said, Chuck, thank you so much. Thank you. I want that for you guys this year. I want it for me. I wrote the book. A friend of mine who's a pastor, not your pastor, said to me, I've been mentoring him, and he said, younger guy, family, he said, this COVID stuff almost killed me. Not physically, but, you know, emotionally. He said, you helping me cultivate private worship has kept me focused and on track. Will you work at this, please? Will you do it? For the glory of God. Father, help us to do that. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this congregation. Protect Pastor Dan. Protect him. Protect him, please. And I pray that he would have the great freedom just to get lost in private worship. I know he tries, but he's busy. I, I know we all try, but we're busy. Help all of us this year. Make that resolution. We're going we're gonna to ponder and pursue and present our time, our hearts, our heads to give you adoration. Jesus, for your sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.